Hi, everybody. Welcome to Lost Floors Church. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. And last week, Easter was an amazing, just an amazing week. We had so much fun celebrating on our lawn and just a beautiful morning here in Southern California as we celebrated that Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death. And today we're going to go back into our series where we were before Palm Sunday and Easter. And that's Abraham and us, talking about Abraham and his descendants and how that still impacts us today. And even through Easter, we realize that that impact is so powerful in our lives today. We left Joseph basically in a pretty good place. If you remember Joseph, when we first started reading about him and talking about him, he was a 17-year-old dreamer. And he had these dreams that made his brothers really mad. His brothers already didn't like him, and that just kind of pushed him over the edge, and they were going to kill him, but they decided instead just to sell him into slavery. Told his dad he was dead, sold him into slavery, and if you remember, Joseph goes into the house of Potiphar, and he rises to the top. He gets falsely accused, and he ends up in prison, and he rises to the top. Just wherever he's at, the best slave he can be, the best prisoner he can be, he keeps rising to the top, for, but for 13 years... Joseph is a slave and a prisoner until finally he gets an opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's disturbing dream. And we left Joseph after he interpreted this dream and Pharaoh praises him and makes him second in command of all Egypt. So he doesn't just get out of slavery or get out of prison. He becomes a ruler in Egypt. I want to remind us what Potiphar said after Joseph had interpreted the dream and basically laid out the plan of what they should do for him. Listen to this in Genesis 41. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Uh, think about that, what Pharaoh, who believed in many gods, uh, sees Joseph and sees there's something different about this man and says, I've never seen someone that acts as if the Spirit of God is in him. And, and he's impressed with his wisdom, and so he makes him king of the land just under him. And so Joseph's dreams literally are coming true. You remember in his dreams, the, the grain was bowing to him. The moon and the stars were bowing to him. And now here's Joseph. Literally, people are bowing to him. Now, when we finish up chapter 41, seven good years have come and gone. So the seven good plentiful years where Joseph said, we're going to stock up all the grain that we have. And we're going we're gonna to save that for the seven years of famine. And so the seven years of famine come, and it is bad. Just like Joseph had predicted, it is really bad. Uh, but not only does Joseph save the Egyptians, but he begins to save the whole region uh, because the famine's widespread. So people from these other countries and places are coming to buy grain from Egypt so they can stay alive. Here's what Genesis 41, 56, and 57 say. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain 
to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt, and all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. So at the end of chapter 41, we find Jacob, or Israel, as God changed his name to, still in Canaan. So Joseph's whole family is still in the promised land, the land of Canaan, but the famines hit it hard. And so Jacob tells his sons, you need to go to Egypt because they're selling grain. They saved up grain. Otherwise, we're going to die. And so he sends his 10 sons to Egypt to buy grain for them. He keeps Benjamin with him. Benjamin's Joseph's brother from the same mom. And Jacob wants nothing to do with losing another son like he lost Joseph. So he sends the 10 older brothers to Egypt to buy grain. And you remember Joseph's dreams. The, the sheaves were bowing. 11 sheaves of grain were bowing to his grain. In other words, the 11 brothers were bowing to him. The second dream was the 11 stars were bowing to Joseph, and then the sun and the moon, the mom and dad also. And so it wasn't that the brothers were so upset that he was going to become a king. It was that he was telling them, you are going to bow to me. So you can remember those dreams. And and we talked about God's plan for Joseph. And we talked about Jeremiah 1.5, which, which we can all hold close. When it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And, and so this idea that God knows us even before we were born, that he has these plans for us. And in Joseph's life, as his life has unfolded up to this point, we can totally see how God was using him. And, and so now you've got the brothers going back to Egypt and we know that Joseph is now in charge of this whole grain thing happening there. And so now we've got some, well, we've got some drama about to happen, right? I want to read this to you just so you can hear it straight from Genesis. It says, Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brothers, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. So the famine was everywhere. And so Joseph, you remember, he's he's there and he's literally the one selling them the grain. And he immediately kind of puts a plan into action. And he, first of all, he accuses them of being spies, which takes them completely off guard. And, and so he accuses them of being spies. And then uh, verse 9 of chapter 42 says, Then he remembered his dream about them. And he said to them, You are spies, and you have come to see where our land is unprotected. <clears throat> so here he is. He's remembering his dreams some 13 or more years ago. And he's remembering these dreams got him in trouble with his brothers. But all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. These are coming true. And, and, and so he takes the ten and he puts them in prison to be held. And he continues to speak with an interpreter just so they have no idea that this is their brother, Joseph. And they would probably be even more terrified if they realized that it was Joseph. But he, he asked them, so tell me about where you come from. Tell me about your father. And they, they tell him, and he says, is your father still alive? And he begins to ask these personal questions. They discover that he has, and, and he finds out his little brother Benjamin 
is still alive, but not with them. And so Joseph continues this scheme because he wants to see his brother Benjamin, and obviously his dad too, but he doesn't want to reveal himself yet. So Joseph decides to send them home to get Benjamin to come back. That's kind of Joseph's plan. And so in chapter 42, he says, He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in the sack, and to give them provisions for their journey. After this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys and left. So Joseph's plan is to scare them a little bit, but yet still show them grace. So he binds up Simeon. He keeps him prisoner in in jail. And, And then he sends the others home, but he gives them their money back. He doesn't take their money. He even gives them provisions for their way home. And, and so now you have Joseph being kind, a little bit of grace, but also being cruel at the same time. Joseph wants them to be afraid. He's not quite sure what to do yet, I think. And so now when they get home, or when they first stop for food, they discover their silver has been put back in the bag. And they're scared. They're like, oh no, they're going to think we stole this, something bad is going to happen, but they continue on their way, and they get home. And in verse 36 of chapter 42, it says, Their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you want to take Benjamin? Everything is against me. You see, they get home, and they tell tell Jacob, man, this is what happened. Put our money back in. They've they bound up Simeon. We've got to take Benjamin back. And Jacob or Israel's having nothing to do with that. He's like, I'm not going to lose Benjamin too. I've lost Joseph. Now I've lost Simeon. He's assuming he's going to die in prison there. But he refuses to let them go back. And and so they actually wait. And so I think poor Simeon's in prison (laughs) back in Egypt. Uh, But they wait. In fact, they wait until all the grain is gone. And finally, Jacob is saying, hey, you go back and get more grain, but you're not taking Benjamin. And this is where Judah speaks up. And Judah begins to take kind of a lead role in this part of the story. And he basically takes full responsibility for for Benjamin. If he doesn't come back, then, man, you can can end it for me. But I'm going to take full responsibility for Benjamin. It's like Judah's had a change of heart. He's, He's changed. And you remember Judah is... He's the line of Jesus. Not Joseph, who you would assume it's Joseph, as he's become the main part of the story, but it's Judah. And Judah hasn't always been a good guy, but here Judah's attitude has changed. He's now taking responsibility. And he says, listen, we're going to go back with double the amount of silver. We're going to take gifts from the land. And so they gather everything up and Benjamin to head back to get more food. Otherwise, they're going to die. So chapter 43, verses 15 and 16 says, So the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver, and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. And so Joseph again sees his brothers. 
and he says, hey, take them, take them to my house. I'm going to have a meal with them. And I, I think Joseph's in this place where he's torn, right? He, he wants to lash out at them because 13 years, right? Slave and prison, but yet he still loves his brothers. And so part of him wants to lash out. Part of him wants to show mercy, but he brings them to the house and and he still doesn't reveal himself and he eats the meal actually in separate rooms because here's here's the funny thing Egyptians actually will not eat with people from other lands that they, they called people from Canaan Hebrews they, they wouldn't eat with them they, they, they wanted nothing to do with them it was detestable to eat together so so Joseph even though they're his brothers ate in a separate room and, and so there was still no idea that this was Joseph his brothers don't know and then in chapter 44, it says this. Now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house. Fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain. And he did as Joseph said. As morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. And so he sends them on their way. And then he sends the servant after them, after they've been gone a little bit. And the servant catches up with them and says, hey, my master's silver cup is missing. And he thinks maybe one of you have it. And the men were like, oh, we didn't do anything. We promised we're trying to be above board. We're trying to be so honest. So obviously the men have changed a bit, but they also have this fear that something bad's going to happen. But the servant searches through the sacks and he finds, obviously, the silver cup that's been planted in Benjamin's sack. And Judah and the brothers are terrified. And so Joseph says, far be it from me to do such a thing, which is to take somebody else. He says, only the man who is found to have the cup will be my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. And they're like, no, that's not going to work. This was our father's biggest fear to lose Benjamin. And here Judah had taken full responsibility and Judah's like, no, throw me in prison. Send everyone else back. I, I will take his place. Uh, Judah, uh, the line of Jesus, is saying, hey, I will take his place. In fact, here's what Judah says. Now then, please let your servant remain here as the Lord's slave in place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy's not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. Uh, Judah has this soft spot now for his dad and for his brothers. And he's like, I, I can't let this happen. Uh, Judah's willing to take the place of Benjamin and be the slave now. Uh, Judah's come a long ways from where he was before. So in chapter 45, Joseph can't take it any longer, and he reveals himself to his brothers. And he wails and cries as he tells them that he is Joseph, their, their brother that they'd sold into slavery. It says, but his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. You can just imagine realizing this man that's causing them all this trouble, and not being able to figure out why. And then all of a sudden realizing, oh my goodness, our biggest fear has come true. I mean, they are terrified. And you and I, we would be too. I mean, just imagine the worst thing you've ever done coming back years later 
to haunt you. you. You think it's gone. You think it's it's buried. It's it's in the closet, right? No one's ever going to know. Uh, but man, all of a sudden it comes back in full vengeance. You would be terrified. You wouldn't be able to sleep. It would be awful. You would be terrified. His brothers were terrified because in all reality, Joseph's position now, he can have them executed. Uh, they're their lives could be over. But instead, listen to what Joseph says to them. In Genesis 45, 4-7, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you, for two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now Joseph reveals himself. And in and, and all of this, he's saying, listen, this was God's plan all along. And so I don't blame you guys. This was God's plan. And he says, go home and get father. Father Israel and bring him back. And the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh hears that his brothers are there and he gives them clothing and gives them food, and gives them carts to bring all their stuff to live in Egypt so they don't have to starve in Canaan or keep traveling back and forth. It's a good 300 mile journey. And, and so they go home to get Jacob and, and Pharaoh's so excited. He's going to give them the best land in the area of Goshen, which is just outside of Egypt, uh, so that they continue to be farmers. And, and I love this line that Joseph says to his brothers, so then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Well, what a picture of faith, and, and really a picture of grace to his brothers. I, I know this plan, and God's plan is way bigger than your sins, Right? I mean, God had a plan for Joseph. You go back to Jeremiah 1, 5, right? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And here Joseph is going, man, that's it. God had a plan for me. I was the one that's going to be at the right place, the right time, so that our people can be saved. And, and then he even mentions like this prophecy that, that your lives are going to be saved by a great deliverance. There's this prophecy even in this. So now at the end of chapter 45, uh, Jacob, Israel, hears the good news that his son Joseph is alive and his spirits soar. And in chapter 46, God speaks to Israel and he says this, and God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am. He replied, I am God the God of your father, he said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. So once again, the covenant promise, God comes to Israel and says, remember the covenant promise. To keep this alive, you're going to go to Egypt. And while you're in Egypt, you are going to grow and become this great nation. And even says he's going to be with him there. Uh, that 
can be a little disturbing because we know that this nation ends up being slaves to the Egyptians. But at the same time, this is part of God's plan. And he's going to bring them back to the promised land, but it's not going to be an easy road. You see, all of Israel's sons, all of Jacob's sons, they, they go, they leave the promised land and they go to Egypt because they're at the very beginning of the famine. And, and so at the very beginning of the famine, they still got five years of famine left. They wouldn't survive. So they go there to live. And when they settle in Goshen outside of Egypt, there's a total of 70 Israelites. 70. That's, that's a lot, but it's not many, really. That's not a nation. It's a large family. And then there's this interesting thing that Joseph tells his family. It's found in Genesis 46, 33 and 34. It says, when Pharaoh calls you in and asks, what's your occupation? You should answer, your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Then you'll be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. A couple things there. First of all, they're shepherds. So the sheep, the, the lamb is so important to the Israelites. This, this family has always been part of their family. I mean, going back to Abraham, this is part of who they are. And, and then this idea that the Egyptians are above these Israelite people. They literally find shepherds detestable. And so even though they're bringing them in, they're being kind to them because of Joseph, there's still this tension. And you remember the symbol of Egypt is the serpent, right? And, and the, basically, the, I guess the mascot for the Israelites is the lamb. It provides for them. It, it's the lamb. So it's the serpent and the lamb. They don't go together super well. It, lambs don't like snakes. <laughs> We'll come back to that in a bit. But chapter 47, we learn more about Joseph's rule in Egypt. And what's amazing is Joseph, man, he's a he's just like a financial wizard, man. He's making Egypt, he's making Pharaoh especially, all kinds of money during this, this famine. He is selling the grain, and he's forcing people that can't afford it to sell off their land. And so Pharaoh ends up owning all the land of Egypt and the surrounding areas because people were going to die or give up their land. And so, so here, the Pharaoh, because of Joseph, becomes very rich and very powerful. And then in chapters 48 and 49, as Israel is getting sick and getting old, Jacob, he begins to pass out blessings to his sons and even his grandsons. And it's almost like he's passing out these blessings with a prophecy with them. And what's interesting is when he gets to Judah. Judah, even though he's in the middle of the, the family, but he's, he is the line of Jesus. Not Joseph, not, not the oldest, but Judah. And Judah hasn't always done the right thing, as we know from past, past weeks. But here, as, as he gets his blessing from his father, Israel, this is what he says. Judah your brothers will praise you. It, you will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. 
So here Judah is called the lion for the first time. The lion of Judah. Doesn't that sound familiar? I, I've heard it growing up. I don't think I ever really grasped a hold of what it meant. But from this blessing that Israel gives his son Judah, calls him the lion. The lion and the lamb. All from the tribe of Israel. All through the tribe of Judah. All the way to Jesus, the spotless lamb that is our perfect sacrifice. And yet that perfect lamb that sacrifices himself is also the lion that takes the enemy by the neck. The lion and the lamb defeat the serpent, the enemy. And, and then after the blessings, Israel dies. At this point, the brothers are once again a little bit afraid. Joseph has all this power, and now dad is gone. Who is protecting them? But they discover pretty quick that's not who Joseph is. In chapter 50, it says, But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Wow. And so here we come to the end of Joseph's story. And we have this clarity going all the way back to 17-year-old Joseph and how he dreamed these big dreams. And although it didn't go the way he wanted, in the end, there was this clear picture of how God used him to save his people, to save all people in a lot of ways. And it's amazing. This is God's story, right? But God's story is Joseph's story, and God's story is Judah's story, and God's story is our story. Because before we were formed in the womb, God knew us, and he set us apart because God has a plan for you and I, just like he did for Joseph and for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would remind us each day that you have a plan for us. And I pray, Lord, that we would trust you with that plan, that our faith would be in you and you alone. And we thank you for the lion and the lamb in your salvation story that we get to be part of. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.